Welcome to the Concierge Weight Loss Podcast, where I empower you to achieve your weight loss goals and live a healthier, happier life. I'm your host, Kara Hackelman, a dedicated weight loss coach and advocate for positive change. Join me as we dive into insightful conversations, expert tips, and inspiring stories to help you transform your relationship with food and your body. Get ready to embark on a journey of self-discovery and sustainable weight loss. And don't forget to stick around until the end for a special call to action that can kickstart your transformation. Let's get started. All right. Welcome today. I have a special guest for you. I'm super excited. I have Jane Pilger, and she is the host of the Binge Breakthrough Podcast. And Jane, how about if I just have you introduce yourself so that you can tell me a bit about yourself, how you became a binge coach. I want to hear a little of the history. Yeah, definitely. So uh, my last name is Pilger. It's a hard G. Oh, but I'm no sorry. Pro- no, 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 no problem at all. Jane Pilger. I just like, you know, just it's very common, but Pilger. Um, so yeah, so I became, you know, I became a binge eating coach. I think a lot of us who are coaches kind of went on this journey where we had our own issue, our own struggle, right? We go through, we kind of figure out the answer to that struggle, we get to the other side of that struggle, and then get to this place where it's like, wow, I want to help other people overcome this in a way that wasn't available for me. Like if only I would have had all of these pieces and all of the pieces of the puzzle together, I could have, you know, overcome this challenge so much sooner in my life. And that was really the case for me. So I started binging. Uh, My very first binge was my first semester in college. And um, I continued to binge for over 25 years. And I was on this quest to figure it out. And I felt so broken and so defeated. And I really felt like something was wrong with me. Um, and I was just on this quest to stop this terrible thing that I was doing. And I had periods of time of success and then I would keep binging again. And I went through, I went through therapists. I went through all the books, um, two rounds of eating disorder, um, outpatient treatment at a local eating disorders treatment center. Uh, you name it. I went through all of the things and, I, uh, there were just pieces of the puzzle that were, that were missing for me. And so, you know, I feel like I finally got to this place where, and then I started coaching. I started coaching people on binge eating. I got certified as a life coach. Um, I really, you know, I was going through some, some, um, just of my own journey and there were still some pieces of the puzzle that were kind of missing. And I feel like for me, when I finally was like, oh, this is it. The last couple of pieces for me were really understanding my nervous system and creating safety and trust with myself. Mm-hmm. And I feel like those pieces, once I got those pieces of the puzzle, and then I was able to put all of the pieces of the puzzle that I had gathered over all of my years and through all of the other things that I had acquired, then it was like, ah, oh, okay, I can now really see a much the, the bigger picture in terms of why people pin, binge, how to overcome it, and really how to help guide people um, through that through that process. So that's really kind of been my my journey in coming to this place. So you said binge, and I've talked to you a little before we started recording, like what 
that word, like people use it so differently. Like, oh yeah, I, I binge on a bunch of pizza over the weekend. But what what is the difference between like overeating and binging? How would you describe that differently? Yeah, so we could get very technical into, there's the DSM-5, the diagnostics, uh, ooh, uh, now I forget even what the mm -hmm. it's diagnostics, something manual, the fifth edition goes into all of the very specific details of qualification of identifying what a binge is and the various, you know, eating disorders. We could go down that road, but I, I don't think we need to get into like the very specifics. The way that when I think about a binge, what mm -hmm. I think about is large quantities of food. So we're talking like more than one might typically eat in a typical sitting. So large quantities of food eaten in a short period of time. And the hallmarks also, in addition to large quantities of food eaten in a short period of time, there is typically a sense of like a lack of control. Like mm -hmm. I can't control myself. I cannot stop. And it is often done in secret. Mm -hmm. And there is generally a large amount of shame afterwards. So there's mm -hmm. this kind of sense of like, oh my gosh, something's wrong with me. I'm broken you know, why do I do this type of thing? So those are kind of like the key hallmarks of what I would consider um, a binge. Sometimes even the, the, the types of food, sometimes people will go to their pantry and even um, like, let's say somebody is trying to keep certain foods out of their house. So they don't mm -hmm. even have much food in the house. They will actually go into the pantry and make stuff. So they might concoct something from um, just sugar. And maybe if there are some chocolate chips or there's something else, they might like actually make something or put kind of weird combinations of foods together that you might not normally eat. That also can be more of like the hallmark of um, what I would consider a binge. Is binge more of a behavior you think? Um, I do. Yes. I don't think like binge is not like a, um, I don't, I don't consider binge like a quantity, like, okay, if you have two Oreos, then that's just like average. And then if you have like eight Oreos, then that's like overeating. And then if you have, uh, you know, 24 Oreos yeah. and that's a binge, like, I don't like, I don't look at it in terms of like the actual, like quantification. Okay. Well, oh, well, now that you've had this extra piece, now it's a binge. Although I will tell you in the mind of a binger, that is often what happens. So uh, in the mind of a binger, somebody who, somebody who does identifies as a binger or somebody who binges regularly, they might have that thinking process. So they might be eating, then they might say, oh, now I've, I've essentially gone too far. I've eaten too much. Now it's a binge. I might as well. There's kind of like, mm -hmm. I used to do this all the time. It was, and there was never it was never quantified, but in my mind, I would be eating and then I would reach some point that in my mind, I would decide now I'm binging. And then mm -hmm. once I decided, okay, now this is a binge, then it was kind of like, okay, for me, a binge is like, I'm just going to eat until I can't mm -hmm. eat anymore. And, you know, either some something is going to stop me because maybe I have to get on a call or I have a meeting that starts at X particular mm -hmm. time. So I have to stop, or I literally will eat until I physically cannot eat any more food. Um, and yeah. so, so a binge, so yes, to answer your question, I do think a binge is more like a behavior. It's like, um, I consider for me, 
when I would binge, it was like I was turning the lights off on myself. So mm-hmm. it was a way for me to disconnect from myself and my experience, whether that was my emotional experience. So the emotions that were happening for me, um, you know, that maybe I didn't know, I didn't have the skill to actually be with. Uh, so maybe it was an emotion I was trying to get away with, away from. Maybe it was just the judgment, the, the, the terrible things I was saying inside my head. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what I was getting, like, that's what I was trying to get away from. So when I was young, I would go, when I was, when I would, you know, be upset with my family or whatever, I would go to my room and I would slam the door. And unfortunately I can't remember what I did in there, but I would slam the door. And then the next day I wouldn't come out until the next day. And we never talked about it. I just, it was just the next day. And we just moved on as though nothing had happened. And what I discovered later when I started kind of like really getting curious about my binges and what they meant and what they, why they were there. I realized I was slamming the door on myself. That's really what the binge was for me. It's like, I would slam the door on myself. I would turn the lights off on myself. It was the way to disconnect from myself. So I really see binges in that way now is like, it really is like that. It serves to disconnect you Mm -hmm. from yourself in some way for one of a number of reasons. Yeah. I had uh, some, uh, I call them binges, and I've heard you talk before. I've been in um, some of your, some of your talks, and um, I definitely identified, and I used the word binge, and, you know, some things I say I binge just because I got used to using the word binge, but I don't know, and I, I mean, like you say, it's not quantifiable, but like how that, I feel like for me, it was when that nervous frenzy energy comes on um, and definitely that avoidance, like I really want to avoid something and and sometimes it's sleep. Sometimes I want to avoid sleep. Sometimes it's the end of the day and like I am avoiding relaxation for some reason. And like, I needed to create some entertainment for myself. Like, Oh, I deserve this or whatever. And my my hallmark was to start with usually either something sweet or salty. And then I would eat on it until I felt almost sick. And then I would switch to the opposite. So it might be like, like ice cream and then a bag of chips. And then I would go to like some candy and then some beef jerky and some, and it would just back and forth. It would ping pong, sweet, salt, sweet, salt, until I either was absolutely physically sick like you said, or, you know, if something happened that interrupted me, someone came home, um, or the big one, a lot of times was when I just ran out of food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, but like in my head, binging was, you know, it felt like anorexia, bulimia and binging were all in like a mental health category. Yeah. And I felt like, oh, I'm not really binging. I don't need, you know, so I guess that's the, the next question I have is, um, like people use that word and sometimes they use it kind of flippantly. Mm. And so um, should there be like, um, like is, I, I guess I should figure out how I, I want to ask this question. Is there something going on when people use that word that should be like cautionary or I, I don't, you know, I'm asking. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. First, I do want to normalize for you what you experienced, because I'm going to guess that a lot of people listening to this are like raising their hands and they're like, me too. I do that too, with the sweet and the salty and kind of going 
like, okay, I'm going to eat a bunch of something sweet and then I'm going to switch over to salty. And now I'm going to look for something else. And I want the something mm -hmm. sweet and I'm going to go back and forth. And, and especially when it's from that place of avoidance, when it's like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm disconnecting from either my experience or I'm avoiding something else. We think that the food will solve it. Like, okay, if I can just get like just that thing that I'm looking for. So we're looking for it from the sweet. It's like, oh, okay, that wasn't there. Maybe now I'll find it in the salty, right? So we keep going back and forth. But the problem with that and the part of the reason why we do keep eating is that we're trying to use food to solve something that food literally never can solve and was never meant to solve. But we mm -hmm. keep trying, like until we can really realize, oh, this actually isn't going to work. When we can get to that place where we're consciously realizing what's happening, what we're trying to get the food to do for us, we can mm -hmm. realize the food isn't going to solve this problem. Like it literally can't. Then we might be more willing to stop or to let, uh, to, to drop the pursuit when we realize it kind of is a futile pursuit. But when we're in that habit and that's something that we do back and forth, it's like, oh, it makes so much sense. I'm trying to find solution in this food and I'm not finding it. So I just keep like, I'm being very resourceful. I'm just going to the wrong resource mm -hmm. is what's happening. So I love to help people understand like why it makes sense. Like, mm -hmm. oh, okay, that makes sense. It's normal also to let people know it's so normal. Here's the thing about binging. And then I absolutely will answer your question about the, the okay. word about the word itself. But the thing, the thing that's so I think powerful about this topic, very few people talk about it, but so many people do it. And because so few people talk about it, there's not an awareness or a realization of just how normal it is. Mm -hmm. So those of us that do it then are just like, oh my God, what is wrong with me? How is it that there's no way I would ever tell anybody that I just ate all of this food or that I, you know, like ate all of this ice cream. And then I went and I ate a bag of chips and then I went to the store to go buy more or, you know, that I bought this like under the guise of this is for my kids, but I really just ate it all for myself. Like all of that, right? Like, it's like, I would never tell. And this was part for me for years. I would never tell a soul because I was so ashamed. And I was just mm -hmm. sure that nobody else was doing this. But now the more that I talk about it and the more that I talk to other people, it's like, there are so many people who do this also. So if you are listening and you were like, oh my gosh, I do this, just know you are so not alone. There are so many people who do this. And there is a reason it's, it is, there is a perfectly good reason why you do what you do with food. And so when you can understand the reason, then you can start to understand how to unwind it. And so it's like, you can start to see yourself through different lenses. Like the way that I see it is that so many people see themselves through the, like, I'm broken. Something's wrong with me. Like very personalized, like mm -hmm. this is a part of me that I just do not like. And then when we can help them see why it makes sense and how it makes sense, it's like you put on a new set of glasses, like with a whole different tint. And it's like, oh, okay. So you don't see yourself as this hopeless, shameless, shameful, mm -hmm. powerless person. Now it's like, oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now I can, you know, kind of approach myself in a different way. And so that yeah. actually then brings back to the whole question about binging, right? And the word. So the word binge, 
I think is fascinating for some people. It is very, some people like literally will not use the word. Um, I have a client who came to me based on everything she was describing. She very much was engaging in binge behaviors, but she couldn't say the word because she had so much shame. So mm. some people like just the word binging, like almost like I cannot even identify that this is something that I do because there's so much shame. Then on the other side, you have people who, um, I remember talking to um, a woman, this was years ago, but she made some comment in a, we were kind of, you know, in this, in this group setting. And she made a comment that she had just binged on, uh, it was like five Hershey's kisses in the break room. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah. girl, <laughs> You Not have a competition, no but. clue, right? Like, so in that case, it was just like, she has no clue. Like she does not know what binging really is. And mm. so, and it really is like, literally the word means what you make it mean. But mm. if you are somebody and you, if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I use the word binge. Like if I have three pieces of pizza and I really wanted to have two, um, or I use the word binge, like if I just get kind of like overly full, like it, it probably, it, it's an invitation to get curious. Why are you using the word binge? Like, what does it mean to you? Why are you using it? And do you like, I love to ask the question, like, do you like your reasons? Like mm -hmm. understand why, and do you like your reason? So yeah. if you are somebody who uses it when you're eating three pieces of pizza, when you wanted to eat one or two or whatever, then it's like, just get curious. So we don't, we don't ever want to shame or judge and say like, you shouldn't use that. Like right. it's just the curiosity, like, huh, wonder why it is that I use it. It's likely you, you may have had some like, oh, well, I kind of felt out of control or I felt like, you know, I didn't want to stop or that type of thing that it, generally that's the, the idea when people say, that they, um, you know, that they binged is, is maybe some sense of out of control, but I think, and, and again, it's just hard, it's hard to say, like, I really can't say whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, but in general, to me, a binge is something where there is that like literal sense of loss of control, like let, and to the extent where it's like, I can't stop eating. Like there's mm -hmm. a part of me that wants to, and there's a part of me that literally can't stop until either I am stopped or I am sick. So mm -hmm. if it's like, yeah, okay. I ate three pieces versus two, like to me, that's, that's an overeat, you know, you get mm -hmm. full. It's like, oh, maybe I didn't really you like eat. I ate more than I would have liked to, or than I really know my body needs just for overall nourishment. Mm -hmm. Um, but like that really isn't a binge. So if yeah. you are a person who uses that word, then I would just get curious, like, huh, okay, maybe I'm using this word in a way that really doesn't like meet that definition of like out of control, can't stop, you know, that type of, um, that type of, that type of eating. Um, yeah. 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 As you were talking earlier, uh, I was remembering like a lot of times too, after I would have what I would call a binge. I then at some point, like there was a moment where I'd be like, I know what I'm doing, especially as I started losing weight. And I'd think, oh, I'm going to stop. And I'd be like, well, you've already messed up. Let's just keep going. Like, you know, because you're going to do better next time or you're, you know, let's, let's eat all the things we think we want. And it took, it took some, um, 
some serious thought about why did I choose to want to make myself that sick mm-hmm. and um, some definite restriction deprivation thinking going on. And it took, it took a bit of effort for me to figure out that all of these are my choices and that nothing is wrong with any of the choices. It's yes. just what choices do I want to make? And that was so strange. Um, I had a little bit of that. I don't want to say that I grew up with food scarcity, but it, I did trace a little bit back to it. And so my uh, parents, we grew up out in the country and when we would go to the store, my mom would buy like one case of pop and like one bag of chips, one box of cereal. And I had an older brother, a teenage brother. And if you didn't get in quick, you didn't get any. Mm -hmm. And like, because we only got one, it felt like it was like something worth having. And then a teenage brother, of course, you know, they're like, he'd eat a mixing bowl full of cereal and then the whole box is gone. Mm-hmm. And so I noticed it. I was, sh- I bought a bag of Twizzlers and I was sharing with people. And I noticed that, and I had this with appetizers sometimes too, if you were going to share something at a restaurant, like, uh, like you don't want to look like a pig or like, you know, eat too much. But at the same time, like I am very aware of how many bites other people are getting. And am I going to get enough? Mm-hmm. And I thought, where in the world, like, I have money. I can buy another appetizer. I can buy another bag of Twizzlers, but my brain would go into that scarcity and start triggering some of that. So I think for myself, all of it, those behaviors, and they came, I want to say that not one thing, because I think in the beginning, I was truly looking for the thing that made me do that behavior. And I think that there were just a lot of things that influenced it. Yes. Yes. And so, yeah. Yes. So I identify, um, I have identified eight primary reasons why people binge and each reason has a corresponding solution. And so it's, it's really fascinating to look at all of the reasons. And when I share the reasons, most people are like, oh yeah, like check, check, check all of the above. But it's so fascinating because then when you do have When, if you do have a time that you then do engage in a binge in any time you show up with food really in the way that you don't like, you can look and be like, okay, which of these eight, eight factors were at play. And these eight Mm. factors literally are not, they are not specifically only related to binge eating. So they really can be any time you show up in a way with food that like doesn't really resonate with the type of eater that you would really love to be. So I'll just run through them real quick. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the first reason is shame and judgment. So shame and judgment about your behavior will keep you stuck, right? Because when we're, when we feel ashamed, we want to hide when we judge ourselves You know, basically, if you think about for yourself, anytime somebody else is judging you or you feel judged by somebody else, what do we want to do? We want to get as far away from that person as possible. If you're the one judging yourself, then you are going to want to get away from yourself. The only way we actually can is a lot of us have taught ourselves to do that with food, right? We can disconnect from food. So that's number one, shame and judgment about, um, about the behavior. Number two is restriction. So there are two types of restriction. There's mental restriction and there's physical restriction. So physical restriction, we just literally physically are not eating enough food. Maybe we're taking out certain food groups, those types of things. But mental restriction comes in in things like, I'll be better tomorrow. 
we're going to start over tomorrow. You know, like those types of things are just the hallmark for, especially for binge eating when there's just this idea of, um, you know, like I'm going to start over. A lot of people have a, when the month starts, maybe the new week starts, you know, they Mm -hmm. kind of have like these patterns of, you know, okay, like maybe do great for during the week and then not on the weekends or, you know, those types of those types of things. And there's actually a lot of mental restriction at play in there. Number three is nervous system dysregulation. So um, there's a lot that happens in the nervous system. And if our nervous system is dysregulated and we're in the fight, flight, or freeze response where we're you know, just triggered, activated in some way, a lot of us, when we are very young, we actually taught ourselves to soothe, to kind of calm and regulate our nervous system through using food. Mm-hmm. So it's like, we had this very brilliant way. We were really trying to take care of ourselves, but we learned to do it with food. So it's really important to learn about your nervous system, how to regulate your nervous system in other ways that aren't food related so that you're willing to let food not do that job and bring in other things that really just are much more, you know, nurturing and supportive to your full, Mm -hmm. to your full body. So that's number three. Um, Number four is disconnection from the body. So, you know, so we have over the years and the decades of most of us who have been on a zillion different diets, what do we learn how to do in those diets? Disconnect, right? We, we learn how to get away from our hunger signals, how to ignore all the things. All we're doing is looking at these external things to tell us what to do or what to eat or whatever. And we disconnect. We also disconnect from just all kinds of things and the signals and the messages that our body is telling us, pushing through, pushing through fatigue, pushing through hunger, pushing through, you know, all the things. So disconnection from the body. Um, there's also then, uh, let me think, uh, oh, your, there's one I'm missing. I was super impressed. Oh, yes. You weren't yes. reading. No, I got it. I got it. I got it. So the next one is, um, control the attempt mm. to control. So, so many of us were like, okay, if I can control all of the things and I can control exactly what I eat at exactly these times, then, you know, my body will be this way. Like we try to control everything, but we're in human bodies. I mean, the human body is going to do certain things, right? And so when we try to control every little thing that that can actually set us up rather so the the opposite of control is trust so part of the 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 reason the 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 how to overcome the control part is to develop trust trust with yourself and mm-hmm. also trust that your body is actually going to really communicate with you because right. we've we've learned how to override that for for so long um so that's number 6 and then number 7 is habit right so we when we do anything over and over again our brain wants to put it on the, in the subconscious its job seek pleasure avoid pain use as little energy as possible so through that job one of the ways that it uses as little energy as possible is it puts things on autopilot right so if we've done something over and over again um if you've eaten you know eaten at whether you're overeating whether you're binging whatever on a certain day at in a certain place Uh, you know, in association with a certain emotion, whatever that is, when Mm -hmm. we've repeated it over and over again, it does become a habit. Mm -hmm. So for sure, then we can look at unwinding that habit and changing that habit. But most approaches go to the habit first. 
they're like, okay, we're just going to change. We're going to change this. We're going to change. We'll just stop eating on the couch. And they only focus on that, but we're not really taking into account if these other seven factors are still at play, just focusing on the habit itself is not going to unwind all of this because we're still going to have all of the other things going on. So Mm -hmm. habit is important, but it's not the only thing. And then the very last one is your internal dialogue. So it's the way that you speak to yourself Mm -hmm. about yourself. It's like the, I call it like the radio station that's going on in your head. And, Mm -hmm. and for most of us, it's not nice, especially people who binge. It's like, it's just this, like, why can't you get it together? I can't believe you did this again. You'll never figure this out. What's Mm -hmm. wrong with you? You know, you're out of control. You're disgusting. Like all of this, like, of course we want to keep eating because I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear it from anybody else, much less myself. So that's like the last reason is, you know, kind of what happens inside your head. So for me, it's like, it's just like you were talking about, there's like all of these things Mm -hmm. going on. It's not just the food, which is what most approaches and most other people think it's like, okay, it's the food. If I can just focus on the food, or I can take these things out, or I can stop eating on the couch or, you know, never eat in my car again, then I'll have this all figured out. But it's Mm -hmm. like, yeah, but if you're still shaming and judging yourself and you're still, your nervous system's still activated and you're totally disconnected. You know, you're pretty much just living from the head up and you're not really connected to what your body's telling you. All of these other things are going on, just focusing on not eating in the car or on the couch. That's not going to do it. Yeah. I, the, the um, nervous system regulation stuff, is that the like feeling you're feeling and that kind of thing? It's actually different. So with your nervous system, your nervous system, I actually have an entire podcast about the nervous system that anyone who's interested can go and listen um, and listen to more to really just understand it all about it. But the Mm -hmm. nervous system is really, it's like, it's your brain's, it's the, it's the connection between your brain and your body. So it's like the command center that really kind of combines, connects everything to your brain and your body. So your emotions, oh, I didn't mention your emotions. I thought I might've skipped one in the eight. Okay, I did skip one, which is your, so one of the other reasons is um, that it's a coping mechanism. And so because we, many of us, especially uh, those of us, I'm guessing we're around the same age, we did not grow up learning how to, what even emotions were, how to be with our emotions, how to process our emotions. So the solution there is to expand your emotional capacity, which is your ability to be with any emotion, but your, your emotional capacity and your ability to be with any emotion actually is, they are tangentially related, but they're still a little bit different than the actual nervous system itself. So your nervous system is more like when you are when you, you and I right now are both in a regulated state in our nervous system. And I know that because we're able to have a conversation together. We're able to dialogue. You're able to ask me questions. I'm able mm-hmm. to answer, able to answer the questions. We're in what I call home base. Some other people would just call it like the regulated place of your nervous system. Mm-hmm. There are ways where we can go above that, where we have a lot of extra energy. This is like the fight or flight. This is what happens when you get overwhelmed, when you get stressed, when you get frustrated, when you get angry, and that's, you know, kind of fight or flight. So we, we might, we might get angry. We might go off the, 
rails, we might go to the pantry. That was always me. Like when I would go, when my nervous system would be kind of overactivated and I would get triggered straight to the pantry, the grocery store, the convenience store, the bakery, you know, whatever. We can also go below this place where we have very low energy. And that's almost, this is like the freeze state. So it can be like, um, if you're just like depressed or hopeless, or you can't get out of bed, or you know, you've got like 15 things on your to-do list and you just can't even like get yourself to do any one of them, you're very likely below what I call below home base in that like free mm. state. So when you can start to get to understand what your nervous system is, the different states of your nervous system and how your eating shows up in different ways, in different places in your nervous system, it's, it's fascinating. And then you can learn tools to regulate your nervous system so that when you can identify, oh, like I see myself, I'm like way up here. I've got all this excess energy. Like I just want to go to the pantry. You can understand, oh, this is my nervous system. I know mm -hmm. what I need. I need to like bring that energy down and I don't have to do it with food because when I try to do it with food, what happens is we actually figure out pretty early on that when we have all this excess energy, food will help bring us down, bring that energy down, but mm -hmm. it brings it too far down. So then we're down below. So like for me, I'd be overwhelmed. I'd be bah, like all over the place. And then I would go eat. And it was the only time that I would actually stop, but I would sink all the way below. Then I'm on the couch doing absolutely nothing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there, there are ways where we can really, um, work with our nervous system in a way that's just much more, it's just much more supportive to just your overall body and your needs. And that for me was huge. I never, I did not learn about my nervous system until very, um, very late in the game. And it, it changed so much for me. My, uh, my, uh, job outside of life coaching and weight loss coaching is massage therapy. And mm. so I, I do quite a bit with that part of it. So, um, helping people with their breathing and like feeling their body and bringing it all yes. together and, and like helping kind of unwind some of that kind of tension, or I, I always call it the nervous system. Cause it's all tied together. Yes. Your emotions yes. are piling on and all yes. of the, and, you know, and so pain and emotion are so tied together and yes. it's that nervous system. So when you said yes. that, I was like, oh, I need to ask her more questions about that. Yes, you're totally right. So I find yeah. that a lot of people, particularly bingers, a lot of people live very much in their heads, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, I'm in my head. I'm thinking, I'm constantly thinking, I'm constantly planning. What am I going to do? What am I going to eat? What am I going to like? It's just go, go, go. Like the brain is just constantly going, but we really don't spend much time at all mm. in our bodies. So when we can kind of bring more of that connection, and this is where like, even with those eight reasons, so many of them are interconnected, right? So like the disconnection from the body, when we start being more connected with our body and our nervous system and our emotional capacity, when you are, when your nervous system is regulated only mm. in a regulated state of your nervous system, when you are like in your body connected with your body only in that way, are you able to expand your ability to be with emotions, mm. expand your emotional capacity? You ha it has to like all be together. So, so many approaches are like you, we do, there are approaches that are very much just about the food, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, just eat this. Don't eat that. 
right? right. Or eat at this time of day, don't eat at this time of day. Right. Other approaches are literally just in your head. Just think this way, just change mm-hmm. your thinking, change your thoughts. But we also have to take the bot. That's a top-down approach, right? It's like we start with the top with our thoughts, mm-hmm. go down. But we have to also take the bottom-up approach where we start with the body. It's like what's happening in the body, connecting with the body and the nervous system and the emotions, all of that combined with what we're thinking, how mm-hmm. we're talking to ourselves, how we're showing up, like all of that then, like it all kind of works together. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So we're both life coaches and we both help with versions of weight loss. So when would you tell a person that it might be a good idea to go seek, um, like a doctor or, um, I know like anorexia and bulimia, those are more of a psychological condition. When would you hear, or what would you hear somebody say, or a behavior that you would be like, it might be time to get a doctor involved? Yeah. So a couple of things, I think for me, in terms of your first statement, in terms of like that, I help people with versions of weight loss. I do not see myself as a weight loss coach. I really see myself as a binge eating coach and I help people overcome binge eating and create the, the life and the relationship with food that they want. I find that when you do that, the weight and the bot like that, it takes mm-hmm. care of itself, but I, I don't do it from a place of, we do this in order to lose weight. Like that's okay. just the way that I, that I approach it. Um, okay. but to answer your question in terms of like, when, when does, when does it seem like it's time for somebody to, to see, seek additional outside support? And I would say, um, it, 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 it's often when they're, when it seems as though their ability to live a, a, like everyday life is compromised in some way. So, and when somebody's binging, their ability to live life is absolutely compromised. But when for me, it's like, and it's, it's hard to, it's, it's almost like the term binge. Like I can't really quantify, okay, if, if this happens, then this is the time to go to a doctor. Mm -hmm. So I will also say that I very much use my intuition and my experience. And if my intuition and my experience tells me like this person needs additional help or additional support, that is the very first place that I go. But if I am concerned that their behavior, if continued is a, you know, a threat to their overall health and well-being, like immediately, absolutely. I would seek them. You know, I would encourage them to seek additional support. I often find that sometimes people work with me while also working with somebody else. Um, so that can be, that can be really powerful also, but I don't have like a very specific quantifiable Mm -hmm. this, you know, this very thing. So a lot of it is intuition experience. And for sure, if I think that there is, you know, a risk of harm, to their health, then for sure, I recommend to get somebody else involved. Uh, It's been fun talking to you today, Jane. Like I, I think I've learned so much, even more about binging and myself and um, like even maybe a few places to still kind of look into with my own, my own, um, my own journey. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. I was talking to a friend this weekend and we were talking about, you know, just the journey, the journey with food. And I think there is this, 
especially with perfectionists and many perfectionists are binge eaters because there's the all or nothing. Well, mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't eat perfectly. So I might as well eat all the things because I'm going to eat perfectly tomorrow. That is mental restriction right there. Um, but I think there's this idea that we're, there's this magical finish line that one day somebody will get to, and we will never have to like worry about food ever again, or like Mm -hmm. think about food ever again. And I just don't think that's the case. Now I do, it gets, don't get me wrong. It gets so much better. Like Mm -hmm. I, for sure, I have peace with food. I eat with ease 95% of the time. Are there times where I keep eating because something tastes so good? And then later on, I'm like, oh yeah, that was too much. Yes, because mm-hmm. I'm human, right? Are there times where um, even uh, we, we went out this weekend and there was a buffet and like I found, I was staring straight at the buffet and I kept looking at it and there were just times, like I was noticing it and whatever. And it wasn't from this like crazy old me would have like noticed every single person, every single mm-hmm. plate, I probably like all of the things but there was still like, there just, there, there is no magical finish line where you literally never have to think about food again. And you're just happy with your body 365 days a year. Like that just is not the human experience of being a woman in a human body who lives in the United States of America. So like, don't fool yourself into thinking that like, there is some magic moment where you aren't still on a journey. We're always mm-hmm. on a journey, whether it's your journey with food, whether it's your journey with your body, whether it's your journey with, um, you know, becoming a, being a better parent or a better wife or a business owner or whatever it is that you're doing. Like there's just always, always, always more to learn and to grow from. from. And so if we just know we're always on a journey rather than thinking there's some magical destination mm-hmm. where everything's going to be perfect when we get there, because then you're just constantly disappointed. Yeah. I think it's funny how sometimes things will be like, oh yeah, this is, this is just another flavor of whatever that, that thing was I used to think, or that thing I used to do. And it's like, or I'll get surprised. I'll be like, where in the world did that come from? Like, I haven't done that forever or even considered thinking that way. And so sometimes it still comes up and, and it just, it's almost laughable because I do. I get so used to living how I live now that when it does, I forget what it used to be like. And so, uh, your, your bestie, uh, her, some, I'm working with some of their business and the, uh, some of her staff were like asking me to, t- uh, talk about more of my, my own transformation. And I have, I had such a, like a block to be able to, um, to, to recognize where, how far I had come because I was so focused with my head down today that to really look at that transformation, I did, I had to go back. And so one of the journaling prompts um, Krista had me do was to write down like from the time I woke up till I went to bed, like all of the things, well, the copyright lady, um, what it was that I used to experience. And I was like, oh, I forgot all about this. And like, think about different circumstances. Like, you know, if I was going to a party, what would it have been like? So you said, go to the buffet. And in the beginning, I remember being very like, who has what on their plate? How many plates has she had? Is that socially allowable? How much more can I eat before it's gone? 
And like, oh my goodness, like I'm amazed I got anything done with all of that happening at one time. So I do it. The chatter is just so much more calming. And so when it does come up from time to time, it's, it's like, oh yeah, I forgot how that used to feel. Yes. So I, I love one of the analogies that I love is that binges. I believe that binges are like lights on a dashboard. So, so many people will have a binge and make it mean something terribly wrong and terribly personal about them. But I see it as just like, it's a light on the dashboard, like the check engine light, Mm. right? So all it means is we should take this in. We should look under the hood and see what's going on to cause this light to come on. So if we can do that, we get under the hood. It's like, oh, okay, this makes sense here. You know, you were thinking this, or this happened, or your nervous system, or, you know, this emotion was happening, whatever we can kind of like dig into it. It's like, oh, then we, Mm. we figure this out and we figure out how to make the light come off. So it's really no big deal. And on occasion for me, sometimes like overall, I have a great relationship with food. I don't really get, but on occasion, sometimes like I'll start, like, I'll just start noticing like kind of just old thoughts or like activated thinking around food. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, Ooh, there's my check engine light. Something's Mm -hmm. going on. Then we just look under the hood. It's like, it doesn't mean you're going backwards or that, you know, like all the progress you've made is gone forever. Like all the things that our brain likes to make it mean, it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, it just means we need to pop the hood, but shame and judgment is like a 50 pound weight that you put on top of the hood. And we can't even open the hood to see what's going on. If you are judging yourself or you're shaming yourself for what you've done. Otherwise we just pop, we figure out how does this make sense? My favorite question in the world. I mean, just ask yourself anytime you overeat, anytime you binge, how does this make sense? Like, how does this make sense that all of a sudden, like I'm in a grocery store and like, I'm noticing food that normally I don't notice. Ah, okay. X, Y, Z. Like I could, I'm, I've, I know myself well enough. Like I can figure it out so quick. Mm -hmm. Then I know what, then I know where to go from there. I love that analogy. I love it. Uh, A recovering perfectionist here so like you know it's always like you want to make it mean something is wrong something is bad I'm not getting it all that internal all that chatter like I say so yeah I love that check engine like just take a look yeah um okay so Jane I thank you so much for your time with me today will you tell people how they could get in touch with you and I think you had a little freebie for them Yeah, definitely. So um, you can find me in a couple of places. Uh, I have a podcast called the Binge Breakthrough Podcast that is available on any major podcast player. I actually started the podcast with outlining those eight reasons and then the eight solutions. And then I went into, there is an individual podcast episode on each of the eight reasons and their Mm. corresponding solution. So that's an amazing resource that you can go to and just start listening to right away. Um, And if you are somebody who binges and you want to know like, huh, why is it like, what is the number one reason why I, why I binge or why I, you know, even if binging doesn't like ring true to you, but you're like, yeah, there are times where I just kind of feel out of control with food. If you want to know the number one reason, uh, you can go take a quiz, which is at uh, janepilgard.com forward slash quiz. And that will, you can take a short little quiz and then figure out the number one reason why you binge or feel out of control with food sometimes. So that can help you um, discern that. Yeah. 
Oh, great. I will put all that in the show notes. So if you didn't capture that, I will absolutely have that. And I just want to thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I have loved our talk today and for everybody else. Yeah. For everybody else, I will see you next week. That wraps up another empowering episode of the concierge weight loss podcast. I hope you found inspiration and actionable insights that will propel you towards your weight loss goals. If you're ready to dive deeper and accelerate your progress, don't miss out on our free five-day quick start weight loss course. Head over to coachingkara.com forward slash free course to gain access to a wealth of valuable resources, guidance, and support. The time for change is now, and I'm here to guide you every step of the way. Remember, your transformation starts with a single step. Take that step today and unlock the life you deserve. Stay tuned for our next episode, and remember to keep striving for greatness.